0: a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations both about astrology and all things spiritual and personal development. I'm going to keep this intro short. This is a forecast for the week of October 28th to November 2nd, 2020. We have a full moon in Taurus on Halloween. And it is election day um, on November 3rd, and that is the same day that Mercury stations direct. You can always find these forecasts on monarchastrology.com in written form. I also share them most weeks to YouTube, and I am on a renewed effort to bring them to the podcast consistently as well. So let's get into it. Welcome, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology bringing you the astrology forecast for October 28th to November 2nd, 2020. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and I've been writing these forecasts at monarchastrology.com for some time and I recently branched out to YouTube as well as to my podcast Magic of the Spheres to bring you a visual and audio version of these forecasts. Evolutionary astrology is a school of astrology that looks at the planets from the perspective of the soul's ongoing evolution. So looking at what we are here to learn, how we're here to evolve. And I find it to be a very power conscious and empowerment focused form of astrology, meaning that we're really looking at, you know, how to work with these energies in a way that is collaborative in a way that, you know, we feel empowered in our agency and also honoring these forces that are larger than us, but feeling as though, you know, we are in dance with them, that we have newer levels of autonomy and power within ourselves to access, um, veils of illusions of how we feel disempowered or not worthy, or, you know, anything that blocks us or really holds us back, how to lift those and clear those and come deeper into our power in this incarnation. And what else? Well, if you're new here, I would love for you to subscribe, Um, hit the notification bell so that you um, know about upcoming videos. If you're listening on the podcast, go ahead and subscribe as well. Um, Let me pull up my slides. So these are, um, you can always find these in written version at monarchastrology.com by the way. And on this channel, I read to you what I wrote and add some extra commentary. So we have this juicy full moon this week. Um, I think it's juicy because it's on the Scorpio Taurus axis, which is already a very like tantric, very sensual, very magnetic axis um, of archetypes. But then we have the moon conjunct Uranus and Black Moon Lilith, which I'll get into, but it feels like a a liberation of some kind. Um, Of course, Uranus uh, can relate to shocks and, you know, the unexpected A kind of textbook way of looking at this would be expect the unexpected, like that can be an element. And I think if we look at this from a psychological or like an inner world perspective, that there can be Parts of ourselves that we can access or make contact with this week that surprise us, like how nice is it to be surprised by yourself? You know, like we have our ruts, we have our routines, we have our normal self concept. But what about when you feel that sense of revelatory or cathartic consciousness where you have a different relationship with yourself? That's what I'm really sensing this week. And this time of year is known for the thinning of veils. So it's a powerful time for vision, for dreams. Um, pay attention to your dreams and write them down. And connecting with ancestors. We have a Scorpio full moon on Semaine. Um, I never know if I'm pronouncing that right, which is so embarrassing. <laughs> and or Halloween, however you call it, for dramatic effect. Um, the full moon plus, you know, this time of year potent. Um, and the moon will be conjunct Uranus and black moon Lilith in Taurus and in a totally normative sense. So for people that don't even believe in magic or spirituality and maybe have a more materialistic scientific or something perspective or agnostic or whatever, in a totally normative sense, this time of year features a fascination with the darkness, um, with literal skeletons and ghouls and ghosts, And at a deeper symbolic level, because everything happens on a spectrum, right? This can be a time to be fascinated with our own darkness or the mysteries. The triple conjunction of Taurus um, or the triple conjunction in Taurus of the moon at its brightest light, Black Moon, Lilith and Uranus speaks to the potential to liberate parts of ourselves that we have forsaken or cast out of the Garden of Eden, if you will, in the name of puritanical values, however unconsciously. What have we demonized then and why? There's a long historical lineage of demonizing female sexuality and the feminine, for example, with speak of temptresses and sirens and forces that lure us into unholy spaces. Whether or not we received this direct religious conditioning, for many of us, it is simply part of the cultural matrix um, that we grew up inside of. Um, In a completely non-religious sense, it has permeated the values of culture. And the liberation of connecting with ourselves in places that we have deemed forbidden is a great leap, This is a leap a person takes when they let themselves practice tarot or astrology after being raised to think it was evil, for example. You know, I didn't have that personal experience, but um, I do know what it's like to feel into sources of power or something that feels really occult or magical and be like, ooh, is this okay? You know, and feel drawn uh, to things. And I understand that caution of wanting to make sure that the way I interact with spirituality is clean or the way that I interact with magic is clean. Um, and where is that line of what we think is, um, like good or light and what is, you know, potentially a little bit mm, more like, I don't even know the word for it. Like I can give an example of that I feel very connected with spiders and um, hold on my notes just, and spiders are not like the most, like they're not like butterflies. I also feel really connected to butterflies. So I could have my butterfly realm and my spider realm and both have value, both are magical, but one feels objectively a little bit fluffier and one a little bit darker. this is also the leap. So this leap of liberation into exploring the forbidden spaces. um, This could be the leap that a person takes with connecting with the real creative power of their sexuality deeper than they have ever let themselves. And this happens, you know, there's desires that we have, for example, ways that we want to express our sexuality and that when we go into that and have that experience that there may be this amazing kind of sense of connection that we feel with ourselves at a really deep level. And it's totally mind-blowing. If we remember that Scorpio relates to trust and intimacy, in addition to what is taboo or dark, It is fair that we might possess a certain level of caution around exploring certain aspects of ourselves and certain aspects of ourselves with others. There has to be that trust. So my invitation for you is to tune into where your edge is right now. Desire can be edgy. We can desire something and it can be beyond what we have already experienced. Perhaps it stretches our sense of worthiness. Like, can I really have or experience this thing? How present and how loving can you be with yourself in exploring those edges currently? And as the veils flutter, there may be hidden treasure. So before we get into our week in more detail... Here's a few announcements. Um, One is that a great way to stay in touch with me is to get on my mailing list. The link is in the notes below. And um, this is a way to stay in touch with me to learn about my upcoming course offerings, to know when my books open for astrology readings and to get these weekly forecasts delivered to your inbox every week. I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. And um, yeah, I think that's, That's it for this part of the announcement. I have um, an evolutionary astrology intensive coming up. It will be January 11th to April 21st of 2021. And this is an amazing course. It is a a foundation of understanding the language of soul-based astrology. So we go through the planets, the signs, aspects, and get into deeper aspect theory as well. And we learn how to put it together and how to read a natal chart from the perspective of Pluto and the lunar nodes, um, which you may be aware of those already, or that may be like newer to you. Um, but that is a way, a technique that gets us into a meditation on where a soul is coming from. What experiences have they brought into this life from prior lives? And how does that influence their perception, your perception and the choices that you make now? Like what have you brought and where are you headed? What is your purpose in this lifetime? What are you here to learn? What are you here to discover? And this is really in addition to being astrology and learning how to read natal charts and learning about your personality, it goes way deeper than that. It's a wisdom school. It's a very spiritual form of astrology and it's really empowering. Um, I love teaching this and I'm going to leave the link for this in the notes as well. So you can check out the course page with all the information about it and student testimonials, and you can enroll there. And of course, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to me over email, Sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I also have a level two training for alumni coming soon. Um, I'm developing this new offering for the alumni to deepen their skills um, of speaking this language of delineating charts in community. It's going to be a more intimate container. Stay tuned for updates. Um, I will be announcing that on my platform soon. Also, my astrology reading bookings are full. I'm booked out for a little bit and I am still taking clients for ongoing membership or coaching, which is a six month or one year commitment where we explore your chart in depth and look at your chart alongside what's happening in your life, what your goals are, what you're working through. Um, I integrate, you know, with astrology, it's really been like a wisdom path of like how to live, how to be empowered, how to invest our energy properly. Um, so I use a lot of like personal development teachings and tools alongside astrology to support people. So if you're interested in working with me in that capacity, send me an email at sabrina at monarchastrology.com to set up a free consultation call. And it's best if you email me, um, if you share kind of where you're at and what you're looking for. Um, And that's also the point of the consultation call because this offering is incredibly personalized. It's not something that I have like a page with stuff written out about it um, because it's a conversation about what do you need and how can I support you? So do reach out um, if you're feeling called. And then I also have a new episode of Magic of the Spheres. Um, This is called A Martian Tale in Paradise with Arakai Moon, part one. And it's a story of a very Martian story, a very Lilith story. So it is pretty in alignment with this week's themes, not to mention the story that we are sharing or that Arakai shares in this episode occurred Around six months ago, on the Scorpio full moon of Taurus season. And if you recognize Arakai from the podcast, we've collaborated a few times. We did a podcast about the Taurus Scorpio axis sometime back. And we also did an episode about daily self pleasure as a ritual. So this story um, is a pretty incredible, challenging, and mythical story. Um, and we will. Come back to part two to discuss the story from our lens, our lenses as astrologers and soul workers. And here is our week. So full moon in Taurus, October 31st at 749 a.m. Pacific. As we have said, the moon will also be conjunct Uranus in eight degrees of Taurus. So that's an exact conjunction and a little bit more widely conjunct Black Moon Lilith in Taurus in the earlier degrees. Here are some possible themes. Everything in the material world comes into form and leaves form, so it's born and it dies, it's created and it dissolves, it starts and ends, etc. So it is a skill both to be able to enjoy thoroughly what exists and also to let go when the time comes. Take note if there are any places in your experience where you are fixated on a past source of fulfillment and you're grasping onto it and trying to cling to it and recreate it in your life in some way. This could be a version of yourself that you want to get back to an ex or a way that you felt in a relationship that you want to feel again. So you're looking for the traits of that person and projecting them onto other people of like, are you this? Will you recreate this experience that I had you know, with this other person with me now versus being open to the way that life is happening in cycles and what's true now? What beliefs connect this fixation on the past Um, connect to this fixation. Is that what you seek, rare and scarce? You know, you had a glimpse of it and now it's gone and you need to get it back. Or do you believe in a radical possibility of being pleasantly surprised by life and feeling fulfillment again in a new form that's greater than what you could have imagined? You know, something this has been a powerful message and synchronicity for me this week. Um, I've been feeling it come through in my field in multiple synchronicities and I'm, you know, seeing it play out with the astrology. Sorry. I have this like itch in my nose. Um, I remember. So the last place that I lived, I had this amazing bedroom I had a balcony that I could go and see the stars from. I had this nice little like outdoor couch, which I still have, but it was on my personal balcony. I had a fireplace in my room. I had like an epic bathtub and I was, a, I was reluctant to let go of that room. It was time to leave the space. It was time to move on, but. I remember going out on the balcony one night and just having this kind of sense of like sadness of like, I don't like, how can I give this up? How can I leave this experience? Um, because I have that kind of wiring if something feels good. I just want to like stay in it. And I don't think that's terribly unusual, but, um, I had this other kind of thing downloaded into me and I felt this sense, you know, I often will close my eyes and talk to the little sparks of light that I see um, that helped me write these forecasts. They also helped me work through my own stuff. And I was like saying to my lights, um, I only ever upgrade, like my next place will be better in some way. And I saw all these lights and sure enough, I absolutely love where I live now. And it's different. um, But it is true now. And I still love it. And I think that it's a a kind of illusion to get hung up on some good old day, um, or some, you know, past glory, and it is such an energy suck. And I know I'm speaking from experience. So thinking about like really getting into this place of it's almost kind of like faith to trust that the future can deliver goodness again, you know? But it's also like being open to the moment, being open to spontaneity versus having experienced the um, the spontaneity of the past, enjoyed it so much that you clamped onto it and you just want that from now on, you know, like big difference. So really think about if that's operating for you um, with the fixed signs, like they can definitely get Um, attached or kind of stuck on things. So one way to become more embodied in your life in the current moment is to seriously cultivate a gratitude practice or keep it up if you already have one. I mean, I can think of people who I know who are just like always on the gratitude vibe and they always have a way of finding the positive of the situation. And there are, is a counter narrative to that, that critiques that the toxic positivity, et cetera, but really like, I think before getting into the the critical theory of like, is positivity bad? Like give it a try, like figure out how to create those neural pathways and that mental and emotional habit of searching and focusing on the good. And you'll see that it actually is a kind of work. It is a kind of labor um, because the brain, from what I understand, like has some structures in it from our evolution that protect us from danger. And so we're more, chemically wired to focus on the negative. Um, Cultivating gratitude is a intentional practice and it can feel awkward or forced at first, But with consistent practice, taking some time to reflect or journal or however it is that you like to tap into that gratitude space, this can be a transportive state of mind and heart. So before maybe you were feeling frantic, trying to like grasp or latch on to something to feel good about, or you're feeling bad about how things are going in your life. And then you do this gratitude practice and suddenly you feel like you're on a cloud and you feel a more heavenly state of being just because you tuned into things that already exist. And it's kind of like, uh, gratitude is a form of receptivity that allows us to more intimately feel what we already have. It's like opening up presents that we've put in a corner, haven't even opened yet. And then we're continuing to like scan and look for other sources of satisfaction elsewhere. When we cultivate gratitude, we become more aligned and more magnetic with the frequency of fulfillment, so try this as an experiment, as a thought experiment. Um, I've definitely played with this before where it's like the more you focus on gratitude, the more that you become like a funnel for things to be grateful for to come into your experience. Um, it's actually quite magical and humbling. One way to become more abundant is. Um, In your life is to radically reorient if needed to, um, or from seeking wealth and abundance for its own sake, its own ends and for your own fulfillment, which isn't bad, but, um, switching that to being in service to something bigger than yourself. It's not wrong to have personal drive for wealth or love and whatever it is you desire. There is going to be like an egoic or selfish function that exists alongside our more higher or altruistic motives. But when we see our own fulfillment as the bottom line, we are only serving ourselves. And that is an energy of hoarding in some sense. It's a very taking kind of energy versus when we are devoted to something larger than ourselves and you really cultivate that sense of being in service. Our energy becomes more conductive. We become like conduits and we participate in the natural flow of life. Nature, you know, all these um, organisms and systems and nature serve purposes beyond themselves, even as they also eat and Require their own energy, right? There is a sense that, like the trees, as they are sustaining themselves, they are creating oxygen for us to breathe. So there is this kind of flow of giving and receiving in nature. And when we really tune into how we can serve something bigger than ourselves, like we step into a more natural state of being than when we are making ourselves a cul de sac where we just want to like hoard and keep things. If we looked at this in terms of business, you know the difference in value between a business that has a real intention to help people or to make the world a better place versus a business that is profit driven first and foremost. You know that exists. It's like it's a problem in culture. If you're the CEO of your own life, consider how you line up on that spectrum really take some time to think about what you're in service to. It's not necessarily like there's different layers, you know, we can feel in service to a person, but is that appropriate? Are we in service to something like love? And then we interact with people through that service. You know what I mean? Um, Or like, are you in service to your business or the thing that your business is in service to? Like what's the deeper, broader force? And as I was noting earlier with this sense of the fixed signs kind of holding on um, the fixed signs of the zodiac, so that's Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And so a full moon, a lunation, a full moon lunation is always the sun and moon in opposite signs. So it's Scorpio season, full moon in Taurus that we're talking about. So these fixed signs have some very tenacious and enduring qualities for better or worse. The same tenaciousness that can relate to creative fruition is also correlated with how we hold on to grudges or hold trauma in the body. And repeat the same patterns over and over again, despite our best efforts for change until something gives, because these things, there is transformation within this. There is um, like Scorpio is a sign of transformation. Um, These patterns that we repeat can and do change. And this full moon conjunct Uranus signifies perhaps an acceleration of breaking up some patterns Um, And perhaps in ways that catch us off guard. You know, one of the best, like I love Pluto based astrology and studying empowerment, because one of the perspectives that I think um, is really huge with empowerment is not being in victimization consciousness, not being in victim consciousness. And of course, like this is a very complex topic. It's not meant to be leveraged as a way to gaslight people, but talking about not being a victim is like when something is happening in your life over and over again, this kind of theme is repeating. And some of these things are environmental, like some of these things are cultural, but thinking about your personal mythos, what kind of circumstances do you tend to attract over and over again? And instead of making it external, like it's other people's problem that this thing keeps happening, when you tune into how you are personally implicated in that storyline and tune into your own responsibility and you cut the necessary cords, um, that's a really dramatic way of putting it. But like when you shift your own internal reality from within and see your environment and other people interact with you differently as a result, that's more empowered than waiting for other people to shift their behavior so that you feel better, right? So changing our patterns, it takes depth insight. Literally, I remember like when I was eight years old, telling someone about a person who was making me angry. And I was super like, you know, I don't think I would remember this had it not been for having my mind blown in this conversation. But I was telling this man that this person was making me angry. And he tells me, no one can make you angry. Like, you get to choose how you feel. And I argued back with him. I was like, no, he made me angry. And I was like adamant about it. But I literally felt something in my brain like break because it occurred to me that there could be like, it was difficult as an eight year old and like my eight year old self to cognize that whole thing. But it was the first time I had ever learned that concept. And It's still, it's a basic function of language that we, like the way that we semantic, (laughs) like the way that we use semantics, we often will say, oh, this situation made me feel this. And so it reinforces a belief at however unconscious a level that things make us feel a certain way. Um, And our language, you know, it's just kind of the way that we talk. Versus the deeper intentionality of this thing happened or someone said this and I felt and I responded and knowing that we have the capacity to respond differently. So when it comes to patterns and shifting our patterns and the need for depth insight, because you have to understand that something's a pattern or understand the deeper implications to kind of have that breakthrough experience where you change the patterns that you keep playing over and over again. And I think that this is one of the attractions of astrology or personal development or psychology is that through this insight that we gain, we can make change. And one way, you know, to get into it too, is like, uh, I love journaling. I think I was reading an article one time about how journaling is like the panacea for like self-development, where when you see your own thoughts written out, you face them, you know what you're thinking. And if you are getting tired of hearing yourself journal you Are just like, wow, like, I don't like this. I don't like what's coming out of my mouth or like through my hands. You see what story you're telling. And then through confronting that you can make a change, right? It's just different than running these patterns unconsciously at a low level, not looking at it and then tumbling around in that reality because you didn't put it on a wall, look at it and decide that you want something to change and Scorpio kind of like relates to how we might simmer in something for a long time or things really stick. Sometimes, um, it takes a lot of pain or like a very loud event for us to want to change in some way or like a rock bottom or something like that. But at deeper levels of nuance and sensitivity, it's like you could have, you know, just an off feeling about something and be like, oh, that wasn't aligned, I wanna change that versus needing it to explode into a whole shit show before you do something about it, if you know what I mean. So our success in liberating from stagnant holding patterns may be directly correlated with what we are investing in and what we're focused on. So Scorpio kind of themes here. Energy and attention are investments along with money, time, and devotion. Track it and realign your investment as needed. You know, like when people get together and they bond over complaining, they're like just throwing that into the field. They're like investing together. And it's one thing to have that come up as part of your relationships. But if that's the default, if that's the go-to and that's kind of where your mind goes is like looking for things to complain about, that's an energy investment. Why are you invested in that? Why are you allocating so much energy to that? Have you invested in anything that brings you aliveness and makes you feel joy, right? So consider where you're, your energy is going. And it's not that you like, arguably you have a lot of energy. It's not necessarily finite or super limited. Um, but there are consequences to what we focus on. And then on same day. Yeah, I guess so. Eight fifty-three AM. Yeah. Because it's, uh, the full moon is like right next to Like the moon is right next to Uranus. So just a few hours later, 8:53 a.m., sun in eight degrees of Scorpio will exactly oppose Uranus in eight degrees of Taurus. This contact can signify an increasingly an increasing restlessness or desire for something to change, as well as the competing drive to stay calm or maintain the status quo. This can be an inner dialogue where one part of ourselves is wanting more from life, and another part of ourselves is like, why can't you just be happy? Desiring more from life. Isn't a problem. Desire is a spiritual navigation tool for the soul guiding us forward in our evolution in this life. If there was a problem here, so I have like a new desk. I have to like have less room to move. Here we are. Um, If there was a problem here, it would be the idea that we can only be hustling or ambitious or calm and accepting, but not both hustling and accepting at the same time. Hustling isn't necessarily like the right word. Um, But that sense of like, you know, you're driven, you're going for more in life. Um, But that sense of like either be that driven or just like chill and like go with the flow in life. What if both happen at the same time? So I'll share a prayer I posted on social media the other day. Sacred restlessness. May the divine discontent that sparks our seeking bring us the paradigm shifts that make us feel most alive and confirm that we were onto something. Sacred restfulness. May our contemplations of gratitude help our consciousness magnify the good and allow us to feel completely at home wherever we are at. The integration of the two. May our nervous systems hold the frictions and passions and receive them as portals into intimacy and intrigue rather than as threats to split off from. May our imaginations perceive the art of this moment so that we can land in each moment as we also strive. And then on November 1st, Mercury retrograde in 26 degrees of Libra will square Saturn in 26 degrees of Capricorn. So this already happened when Mercury was direct. Now it's coming back retrograde. Um, And this happens at 11.05 a.m. Pacific. Consider the intelligence of what is omitted, what is not said. Works of writing may be edited down to be more precise. In relationships, we might show restraint by asking something like, There's something that I want to talk to you about. Do you have time or can um, we set up a time to talk? Versus just dumping it all out on the table at an inopportune moment. This alignment of Mercury and Saturn can relate to the care that we show for timing and the wisdom that we have for not being reckless with speaking, unthinking of the impact it might have. Ideally, this is not about suppression, by the way, but intentionality and grace. And it's an interesting friction that quality of like knowing how to be careful with our words and to be aware of the impact um, while also not being repressed. And not just like, oh, I don't want to be repressed. I'm just going to blurt and like thought bomb it out whatever I'm thinking. No, like have restraint at a proper degree. And what is that degree? And that's kind of like a tension to figure out what that is. And then later that day, 1155 AM Pacific, Venus and five degrees of Libra will oppose Chiron retrograde and five degrees of Aries. So you may expect some pain points or wounds can get triggered in relationship with this transit. This can spark greater wholeness and integration if we move with it. It's deeper than the situation at hand. I think a lot of us that think about these things and do shadow work and do personal development and all of that. Like we, we really track things like this where like we're having a conversation and we're like, ouch, like that now I'm processing something and we're aware of that. And it, it can be processed in the relationship and it might be our own thing might be some combination of both. Um, But there's at least the awareness that it is something within us too, that it's not just the relationship, it's not just the other person, but that it rubbed up on something that was raw. John Wellwood, a psychotherapist who writes about love, has defined love, this is one of my favorite definitions of love ever, sacred combat with a worthy opponent. We may be blessed with people in our lives who will engage in conflict with us and who we feel well matched with in that way. This is different than relating to people from a perspective of not wanting to rock the boat or have any kind of discord. The fear that that will destroy the relationship, the sense that that's like not okay, it's out of bounds, you know, when the relationship can hold tension and discord and come to conflict resolution to experience love and connection while also feeling opposed can be transformative for all involved. Then on November 3rd, Mercury stations direct in 25 degrees of Libra at 9.50 a.m. Pacific. So Mercury is now direct. It will re-enter Scorpio on November 10th, so a week from now, or a week from this um, date of its station. And Mercury leaves retrograde shadow on November 19th. So this is going to be a literal like Mercury mood for the United States. It's election day, Mercury stationing direct on election day and masses of people tuning in, waiting for the deliverance of a message, a very grave and, you know, impactful and determining the future kind of message. Um, As with mercury retrograde and mercury stations relating to delays, we've already been prepared this year with the possibility that the election results will not be clear the day of, because this is, you know, the unprecedented year of uh, everything. So that sense of, I mean, the reality that um, we're in a pandemic um, and the ballots are, you know, being mailed in and just like this extra kind of delay or process around it. So there's definitely probably anxiety about that. Um, and given that Mercury is also stationing at a square aspect to Jupiter, Pluto and Saturn and Capricorn, there can be a slowness or a delay of messages in general, as well as a greater degree of mental tension. Try to be practical in how you allocate your mental energy and not dwell too much on theoretical anxiety before you have the information that you're waiting for. So I'm speaking more generally now as well. If there's situations in your life where you're waiting for some kind of message and you're making, you know, what if scenarios up in your head as you wait and putting yourself through not only mental anguish, but nervous system anguish in the process. And in the space of the unknown, is where we can make the most mental leaps in creating stories that are based off of fear. So, this can provide raw data from the subconscious, though. Um, If you notice you're running stories in the absence of concrete information, this is a window into your subconscious beliefs and values. You know, what do you fear? What are you anxious about? That's the material. So, you can change the script with some intention and reinforcement. Mercury is a magician, after all. you know how this goes when you have a fear or something you're anxious about and you know it's irrational, but it's still very compelling to you. Um, that can be an opening for deeper belief reprogramming work where you, um, reinforce a different story. And if you have, you know, I like to have cathartic methods for moving things. Like I like EFT tapping. I like breath work. Um, And then also like shifting the narrative as a writer. That's like one thing that is really important to me is looking at what I'm thinking and feeling like, is that accurate? Is there another way that I can perceive this that would be more life enhancing Um, and leaning into that? So this is what I have for you. A reminder to go check out the evolutionary astrology intensive course page January. Isn't that far away. Um, Perhaps it could be your new year's resolution to deepen your astrology practice, um, or just it is a time of year, January, where we start new things. So I would love to have you on this journey with evolutionary astrology. Okay. Thank you for joining me. Remember to like this video. And I forgot to mention earlier, but comment, let me know what you think, what your takeaways are. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, um, as a podcast version, please share it with your friends on YouTube as well. Like share this. I really appreciate the word of mouth and bringing other people into this magical astrological universe. All right. Take care, everyone. If you've been listening to this podcast for a little while and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina@monarchastrology.com, at I'll send you a free gift for reviewers of the podcast that is a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. This comes from my background in rewiring my brain away from chronic depression and my interest in studying manifestation and the different ways that I have learned to play with the nature of reality and with frequencies, you know, chosen frequencies, as in what station of reality are you tuning into and how do you intentionally invest your energy and what kinds of results does that have over time? one of my favorite topics. And I love to share that with you. So go ahead and review this podcast. It is such a supportive thing to do. It really helps um, this podcast thrive and helps other people find it. All right. Have a beautiful week.